0: Episode 6, Marky, we got royalty in the building. Louis Mastillo, been in Hollywood a long time, and he gets driven by the Kinger, of course. Kinger's here as well. Welcome, yeah, King. blind driver. <laughs> <laughs> You've
1: gotten into trouble with the, with the blindness here and there. But uh, no, he did a good job, didn't go over to the, the, the yellow lines at all. No, we were all right. I gave him the wrong address on the pickup because I was half asleep
0: well kinger brings us Louie today they were childhood friends and i mean you've seen Louie everywhere the sopranos mike and molly seinfeld night court he's at his own one-man show bartenders the bronx is burning you just gotta see this guy's got a lot the wetlands high incident freeway are some of his movies he's a Chuck Lorre, king of sitcoms, kind of guy. He's he's one of his go-to guys. He lives in New York City. Lou, thanks for coming by today, and uh, this should be very interesting. I'm
1: very happy to be here, guys. Thank and you welcome, for having me. Thank welcome you for, home to Buffalo, of course. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here with 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 Ray. Me and Ray on the couch. I like it.
0: Now, I, Kinger, you grew up with Louie. Tell us a little about how you met Louis, and w- w- where does this? Start? I don't remember. <laughs> no, uh,
2: yeah. I don't know. My first recollection of anything was at the Piercerro. I mean, that that right. was the place right. to be. All right, Eddie Brady tended bar there. Butchie DeShue, right? Mario, uh, right? All these guys tended bar. Louis, Louis was a, a bar back, but he aspired to be the DJ there, which eventually he did. So yeah. you know, you got to you had to get close to Louis. Dickie Ryan if you wanted to get your tunes on that's right you know requests I mean? <laughs> yeah
1: after a while you had to say hey listen I got my own programmer right I got you know I gotta play my own tunes they wanted disco music there you know and all the guys from South Buffalo wanted a little rock and roll you know so we had yeah. to, you know we put it in my recollection of first meeting Ray was at 72 playground used to have the uh, in the summer they used to open up the public school playgrounds. To, they had basketball leagues and all kinds of stuff and they had stuff for the kids and mr hillary ran it right remember yeah,
2: mr hillary and ran they it. had
1: the shed there was a shed on 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 the left side off of the school and they had all the equipment and stuff in there and they used to have it. so ray was like uh i was probably, you were probably 16. he was like the king at a playground remember not a surprise he came, in, he came in there he was like you know He'd order everybody around, tell them, you know, let's go, let's start the game, let's get going. And uh, I have to say, we all idolized him, of course. I still do, you know.
2: I was like the only one that knew how to work that boondoggle. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's right. They had boondoggle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's why they put me in charge. <laughs> you right. want to learn He's boondoggle? You yeah. got
1: to talk to me. That's right. i <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what the type of stuff they do, the boondoggles, yes. you know. And then, uh, you know, they'd have the pre- the, the uh, presentation of the trophies at the end of the year and the picture. Oh, it was great. You know, it was a great place to go to. But then, yes, and uh, the Pierce Arrow came along. And then, uh, you know, just knowing each other through the, uh, you know, the neighborhood and everybody Horse else, racing. Horse racing. You know, I remember when the... Uh, my first kentucky derby and ray was going down and he said you know these guys they're all into the parties they're all into chasing the girls louie i'm into the horses i don't mess around i go down there i got my sheets i handicap i'm not going to no parties i'm not going to no chasing anybody around i'm here for the horses remember you told me Remember you said oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did that work out I'm sure he probably did. Well, know. you know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah you, you, you try. You but, try. You, know, you
2: got guys like Bobby Shanks down there, and there's a guy up there from uh, Detroit, Michigan, and he's on top of a Winnebago proclaiming to be the toughest person in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I go, Bobby, don't. Yeah. Ray, Ray, I got to do it. There he goes climbing up there for, you know, this guy – is toppled off the top of it and it's not like you know the wrestling of nowadays they throw a mattress out there or something no we're at the university louisville parking lot he's on the concrete now bobby's up on top you know that's the kind of shenanigans that happened there but they, they they were great days oh, at they the were Derby. yeah
1: we were i went with the my buddy with george and uh we had nowhere to stay and so we were just gonna sleep in the car right so you know well, we were hanging around everybody's Winnebago, and there was no room. We got no room, you know. So, all right, we're sleeping in the car. But the day at the Kentucky Oaks, we we hit some long shot. I had one of those cards, you know, right? The, the ones like the guy makes the picks, Mr. The Churchill yeah. down the tip sheet. So I said to George, I said, This guy has been coming close, man, with some long shots. I mean, look at these last three races. He's got this guy second. He. And they're all like 20, 30 to one. He says, you got to know something. So the next race, he had this 25 or 30 to one horse. We bet it all over. So it comes in. We went about, I think, about 600, them. Like, it was the most money I ever saw in my life. So we went to one of them hotels, and we go up to the guy, the data derby. Hey, you got any rooms? <laughs> right? the guy goes like this. We got any rooms? Get, what, what are you, get out of here. What do you we got any rooms? We've been sold out, the guy says, since like last December. <laughs> so then we, all right, okay. So we walk over to the bar and the guy comes over about 15 minutes. He goes, you're never going to believe this. I just had a cancellation. Do you want the room? $250. I was like, $250. George goes. We'll take it. We go up to the room. We had like the little, like the living room area, and the oh, it was great. We're up there, you know. Like now, all of a sudden, we're the who, you know. We're we're thinking of breaking furniture and shit, you know. Like, but it was the greatest. We stayed. Oh, it was great. We took a shower, and then we went to some joint. I had like a basketball shirt on, like with the undershirt underneath, and George had his Don Bosco shirt. You know that the big. Powder blue. We go into places, and go, now you need sport coats. So they give us sport coats over our like basketball jerseys. <laughs> it was the greatest. It was the greatest. All right. So, and um let's see what else. And then yeah, the arrow. You do you guys know about the pier? Oh
0: yeah, arrow? yeah. We've had people. Cirque was just on here talking about the pierce our arrow. Legendary place. Yeah, we, he
2: was talking about you too. Yeah. 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 You yeah. said nice you were his say. inspiration. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, he he's a talented guy, man. I've seen him. I've seen his, I saw his solo show in New York, mm-hmm. and then he was in an acting class. I, I brought him into uh, the acting class I was in with this teacher Janice Powell, who I still is my teacher, you know, mm-hmm. st- a mentor. And she directed me in three of my solo shows. She directed Bartenders. Okay, and uh, she was really sad when uh, when Cirque uh, chose to leave because she said he was he was innately talented. But he loved the circus, you know, that was his passion. It's unbelievable. Isn't that it? was his passion. Speaking of the Pierce here, I was talking the other day, You know, um, we used to go to this guy, Mike Rockwood's house after um, closing, so 4, 4.30. Yeah. And he used to have these crab races. Crab, like real like crabs? crabs. So he would have the crabs and he would put, he, he, white paint, he had the numbers on the crabs. Like one to four or one, like, so there was five crabs. There was no place betting or show betting he had to bet to win okay so he'd put his circle put a circle of rope out and he'd put a glass bowl over it and he would put a strobe light on him and it would freak him out <laughs> like the crabs I don't know how he found this out that the, he must have tried different things but he would put the strobe light on it and the crab would just start to freak out <laughs> and then he'd take the thing off and they'd all start to run towards the... And you'd cheer for your crap. <laughs> we would do this for hours. So one night, we're all, you know, he's setting it up and everybody, you know, and everybody's trying different uh, uh, mind-bending uh, uh, experimentals. <laughs> and uh, we look in the kitchen and the and the big guy's in there. You know, Mac, Mac McGaugh. Oh yeah. So the big guy's in there with the freezer open with a frying pan. <laughs> And he's beating the shit out of the freezer. Like he's like, and I mean, Gray, he's stepping back like he's swinging and he hits it again and he comes back and he's ducking, he's hitting the freezer again, right? So, so finally, somebody looks over and says, Mac, what the fuck are you doing? So Rockwood runs over, he goes, Mac, what are you doing? He goes, Rocky, you got something live in your freezer. <laughs> so what happened? He was looking for ice and Rockwood hunts. He had like the, uh, the pelts in there, the fur, like, you know, the pelts. <laughs> So Mac feels some furry, jumps back, he grabs, a, he grabs a frying pan, starts beating the fuck out of the refrigerator. Rocky, you got something live in your freezer. <laughs> 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 and Cirque used to perform there. This is great. This is how he thought of it. Cirque, we used to go there, at right at, and, and it would be jam-packed, and Cirque would set up in the corner, and he'd do his whole act. Everybody, you know, smoking, whatever they had on him. And he would do his whole act in front of everybody. He was, and he was so poised. And anybody tried to bust his balls, he had to come back. So oh, he, he yeah. Was, he, he
0: was yeah. all over yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, he was great.
3: So what, when you were in Buffalo, how did you get into the acting? Like, was it theater? Was it school? I'll was tell you it?
1: exactly what it was. It was uh, at... at um, I preferred reading... When we started reading plays, I preferred reading plays over books because it was more immediate. It was the story told by dialogue, opposed to description. They would describe what was, you know, the set they were in, you know, interior, the house, uh, you know, whatever. But I love the fact that the story went from A to B through dialogue. I found it fascinating, so I just started reading a lot of plays. And then uh, at time, they used to do these rallies for the football team or the basketball team. And we used to do these skits, and the skits involved uh, imitating uh, some of the faculty or whoever on TV and stuff. And don't get me wrong, it was an easy audience. Sure. But uh, I just loved the feeling of it, you know, going out there and doing these imitations. And I was, I was good at it, you know. So I would do Columbo. I would do this one priest. Uh, I forget his name, but he would... He would do the chorus, and he'd go like this with his hands, and whenever I started doing that, everybody would go crazy. So I thought, I kind of like this. So then I did a play in the drama club, and this is no shit. I was junior year, high school, I played a gay guy. I mean, when I think about it now, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but back, back then I was like in high school, you know. But... He wasn't it wasn't in play It was a Peter Schaefer play called Blackout hysterical play. But this guy was sort of the artistic, mm-hmm. you know, but at the laughs, everybody would come to see this play. They would fall over laughing. And I said, I like this. You know, I enjoy this. So I, I graduated, put it off to the side because of the music thing that Ray mentioned. I thought I'd be, a, you know, a DJ. That's what I thought I was going to do. I had this uh, fascination with public radio free form music, hand picked music and that was my you know at for one a point i was and i realized there's really no money in it and there's really the jobs are few and far between. You know those guys who are on NPR going, "Oh well, in the morning there's a guy in LA called Morning Becomes Eclectic. It's a brilliant job. Yeah. You can play any type of music you want, you can turn people on the bands." I thought that would be great. Yeah. But i realized not a lot of work, you know, and you had to That's probably my mother. (laughs) Um, But uh, all the jobs really were in that uh, radio thing where you had to go, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Like, I I just hated that stuff. In fact, I did an interview with some guy, some morning show here in Buffalo when I was doing High Incident. I don't know who these two guys were, but I remember thinking, like, get me out of here, man. You know, because they (laughs) were doing stuff like this. We got loose. (laughs) <laughs> here. oh yeah he's working with steven spielberg oh steven spielberg oh isn't that the guy who did did steven spielberg do jaws i think he did you know, I mean, you know like this type of i'm sitting there like get me the fuck out of here <laughs> but anyways uh uh so that started so i went to Madai for a year and then i uh When I left Florida, I was down in Florida DJ. When I left Florida, I went to this, a friend of mine lived in Boston. I stayed in Boston for about four months, working odd jobs part-time and stuff. And I went to this uh, inner-city acting workshop. And the guy said, you know, you got good, good instincts. You should go to New York. And at the time, I had no clue that you could just go to New York. That's how green I was, that you could just go to New York without any experience. I thought you'd have to have, you know some out credits. of college yeah. or some credits and he goes no you can go to new york and you can enroll in in, a, in an acting school and get, you know i said oh, all right so i kept it in mind and i came back to buffalo and then one day i was actually i was working at the brick bar uh spinning records and i was doing a couple other odd uh, jobs and uh, i saw this article ad in the buffalo Evening news for uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and this is a true story. Doc, I was sitting in the ounce and a half, and Hayden was bartending, and uh, Brian Hayden. Mm-hmm. So, I went to the phone booth and I called the 800 number, and I said, I had, I was, you know, wondering about your school, and the woman said, Well, what is your name? Again, my name. What is your address? Uh, she said, I'll send you the information. You would have to come here and do two monologues one comedy, one drama, and then uh, if you're chosen to come to school, then uh, we can transfer credits that you've had and blah, 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 and I'll, we'll send you all the information. The American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and I remember I walked back to the, to the bar and I said to Hayden, uh, he, uh, I'm gonna go to that school, and he said, well, Better than hanging out here in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get? Did you get a? So I went there and I worked on it. I got the kit. I got the pre, you know the whole package. I I called, got the appointment. I worked on the monologues for the whole summer, and I went there in the fall and I did the two monologues. They one was from the Indian Wants the Bronx, and the other one was from uh, Murray Shishko play called um, uh, Th- A Thousand Clowns. That was the comedy one. And um, I got accepted, and then I worked the summer. I had a day job, and then I DJed, and then a guy named Rick Beale gave me a couple of nights bartending out at Brunner's, way out in Amherst, right? Right. which was like Mars for me. You know, I didn't yeah. know anybody. <laughs> so that was it, so then I went to New York. And I went to school there for two years, it was a great education. I didn't go back for the third year because they, they didn't ask me. I got bumped, I got cut. So they didn't ask me, and you know, the other, it's funny because out of the 500 people that started at that school, even more if you count the first year, but the 500 people that made it to the second year, morning cl- morning classes and afternoon classes, um, three of us make our living. Really? Yeah. Me, Elias Kataeus, no, uh, four of us, excuse me. Me, Elias Kataeus, great actor, guy named Brian Markinson, another great actor, and Ileana Douglas, who's been in the news lately because of the Les Moonves thing. Yeah. But she's a brilliant actress. But Ileana and I didn't get asked back.
0: Oh, Uh, that's funny.
1: Yeah, we didn't get asked back. But uh, it was a blessing. And I'll tell you why, because we were out in the real world a year ahead start. And they were really coddled in that school. So a lot of them, when they got out in the real world, a lot of them dropped out, you know, they quit.
3: So, so were you thrown right into auditions or uh, agents or?
1: What I did was I would go out every day with um, my pictures under my, my little case with my pictures under my arms. And I would knock on doors and leave my picture off. I had really no credits or anything. Most of the time, by the time I got out the door, they, they threw it out. You know, there was many times where I walked back in and asked if I could have the picture. Oh the, no way! And it was in the, the garbage. Yeah, I would see the girl kind of go like this, and I would just walk back in and say, "Could I get my picture back?" You know, for fifty cents each or something. You know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was t- it was hard times. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So then I was living at the Y. On 34th, they're condos now, but I was living at the Y. It was called the Sloan Alone, I used to call it. The Sloan House. Oh, you had to see this place. Holy shit. You know, I used to shower at like 2 in the morning because if you went at the regular shower times, I mean, I didn't even know what was going on half the time. I mean, there were mornings where I would just walk in and go, Ah, oh, forgot my conditioner. <laughs> Holy shit! You know, like you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, there was there was some guy one day. I swear to God, I always tell the story. was just I was shaving. Like again, it's like two and I'm picking all these off times to shave and shower and shit. So it's about. I had gone to school, you know, done the morning, gone to school, and I came back and I had the day off. So I was, or it might have been a Saturday. I don't know. But I'm I'm shaving, and they had these big public school windows like these. Yeah, you know what I mean, kind of like these. So. As I'm shaving, I, I, one of these things happens, like you know, like, like a shadow, like a something. So I, I go like this. I kind of jump back. I thought maybe, you know, it was a rat because they had a real big problem with mice and rats. Thought maybe a rat ran by. I don't know what it was. So, you know, so I continue shaving. All of a sudden, I hear, ah, ah. <laughs> so, look, I turn around. I open the window. It's this guy on the grate. Spread out on the grate. I jumped. Uh. <laughs> so it was his body going by in the window. It was his body. <laughs> window. Oh, Jesus. But here's the kicker. Now they come. I ran to the you know they had a they had a, a phone at the end of the hall that went right down to the front desk. And the guy know I. I said, hey, it's Loom still up on. He goes, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. Thank you. What guys come. So now I look out. They come. They picked the guy up. They put him in the thing with the straps and everything. Yeah and he's gone. Cut to about three, four months later. I get on the elevator, the elevator's about to close. I see this hand come around and clip the elevator so it opens, and the door opens, and it's the guy with one of those crazy casts with his arm up with the and with brace and the whole thing. But here's the thing, goes, second floor, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he jumped on the second
1: floor. He he came back and they put him right on the second floor.
0: <laughs> oh, so you're you're hustling at this point and you're you're looking for acting jobs. What's the first big job you land?
3: What's the first
1: any job? Yeah, any job. So it took me a long time. I mean, it started to look like uh, it took me a long time It started to look like um, I don't know. I mean, I just. I was leaving stuff off. I was doing these small, off-off Broadway plays in kind of rougher areas, like you know, Avenue B, and at this place called the, the the gas station, and a few places. And you know, no agents would come. And I and I have to be fair and say, some of this material wasn't great. You know, what I mean, some was good, but finally, uh, you know, few people saw me in a play um called blessed event which got a good review in the new york times and i got a little attention from that but not much because i only had one scene so anyways i would work on these monologues for auditions and you'd go in and they had seen these monologues a hundred times so i always used to think uh i mean Brando could come in and do these monologues at this point. They've seen him so many times, they're just bored with them, no matter how good the acting is. It's just mm-hmm. So I started writing my own monologues. And I would learn them like as if I would learn someone else's monologue. I never improv, because when you improv at an audition, uh, if they ask you the improv, it's fine. But when you start going off book and stuff, usually it looks like you're lost hmm so i used to learn them word for word as if it was someone else's writing and i'd go in and do them and they would perk up a little bit and like hey that was good who was that and i never would say it's me i'd make up names i'd say like oh it's uh, this new playwright from uh uh upstate his name is jim Ravel," <laughs> so, or i'd say uh oh he's um he's a guy from the midwest his name is ray nowak You know, all my friends and I grew up, but I would just give them like, you know, Ray Nowak. I've never heard of Ray Nowak. Is he published? I think somewhere. I think up in Canada. I just found this in uh, some obscure bookstore, but I thought it was good. She goes, I thought it was good, too. So anyways, I started to do it. I had enough of these monologues. Janice Powell, who I mentioned earlier, my acting teacher, said, why don't you put these monologues together and we'll do a show? So that's what I did and the show is called Circumstances and that's how I got my first agent. Because it got a really good review in the New York Times. Wow. that got to feel review, great. It got a review in the New York Times that if it would have got this if it was open today and it got that same review in the New York Times, it would have shot through the ceiling. But at the time I mean the Times was powerful, but the Times became humongous when other papers started to kind of drop off mm-hmm. but at the time it was really good for business and it was really good and for me and a casting director came in so what had happened is i was working at the um, right when it closed i thought by the end of this, raymond i thought you know by the end of this thing i'm gonna be right you know, living with Martin Scorsese. Not just oh, yeah. not just working with him. Me and him are gonna take a road trip. <laughs> We're gonna write a movie together. This is what I, you know, I'm thinking like my career after this New York Times review. I'm in. <laughs> Twenty-four hours after it closed, I got the bow tie back on. I'm behind the bar, you know. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was this one casting director that came in, Ellen Parks, her name was. And they were doing a pilot for CBS based on the movie Married to the Mob. Okay. Okay. So there was the main, they changed it a little bit and they had this, it was a four camera sitcom they made it into. So they had the main guy who Dean Stockwell played, I forget the character's name. They had this guy, Richard Romanus, who had been around for, was in uh, Mean Streets and stuff. Interesting Mm -hmm. guy. He was the lead guy. And they need. They wanted a sidekick for him, so they they saw a lot of names, and they weren't happy. They, nobody was really. They felt getting it. So she kept saying, "Listen, I saw this play off Broadway. This solo piece. There's this guy Lou Mastillo. I think he should see him." And they kept saying, "No, where's his resume?" They would look him at me. "No, he's got. now nah, he doesn't have one TV. No." Goes by another three weeks. Now they're getting to the point where. If they don't cast this character, this thing's not going to get made. So they finally say, all right, bring in this guy. So they brought me in and I got it. Wow. So so I went to Buzzy O'Keefe, the guy I was working for a bartender. And I said, Buzzy, I'm going out to California to do this uh, pilot. And if you can keep my shifts open, I mean, I don't know, I'll probably be back or probably not. I I'm not sure. He goes, no problem. We'll adjust things. I said, after he said, after a certain amount of time, you got to call me because, you know, I got to know long term. I said, "Okay," And that was it. I never you never went back. Wow! yeah. So I went from there and I got who's the boss and I got a recurring role on this thing called man of the people, which James Gardner. Right. How did you know that? Well, well, come on. Boo. <laughs> yeah, because nobody that show we did 10 episodes and they only shot. So uh, they showed seven of them. But I have to say I've never been starstruck, really. I mean, of course, a few times you see people. But it, anyone around my age group, not not respectful, but not starstruck. I mean, but sitting there with him was something else. And I smoked at the time. And so did he. So he go, come on, kid, let's go have a cigarette. So he'd sit off to the side. Where are you from? I'm from Buffalo, Jim. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, Buffalo. I've been through there. Yeah, when we used to do the tour, we, he was a theater actor. Yeah. He goes, I didn't like New York, and I liked the smaller towns. I'm from Oklahoma. and He'd talk to me, then, then he'd start talking about like Steve McQueen. He'd go, you know, you know, me and Steve McQueen used to take these motorcycle trips, and oh man, he went faster than anyone. Tell me these Steve McQueen stories, and then they'd go. All right, we're, we're ready for you guys. And I'm walking back to do the scene. I'm thinking I'm from I'm from Edgewood Avenue in Buffalo, <laughs> James Garner's telling me stories about Steve McQueen. I was like, oh, my God. And then we do the scene and it, it was always good. He was great. He taught me about the camera, though, which was key. He said, man, kid, he goes, you're you're a theater actor through and through. I said, well, why, Jimmy? He goes, you got to turn your shoulder a little bit out to that camera. It can't be totally profile. You want a little bit of turnout to the camera. And also, you got to know what the lens is. And I said, "What, what, what are you talking with?" He goes, "You got to go and ask these." This is one camera, so it was filmed. He goes, "You got to ask these guys. You know, how close are you on me? Are you from my waist up? Are you from my neck up? Are you are you right on?" You got to know this because it'll it subconsciously it helps muscle memory. It, yeah. Well, he says it's like being blocked in a play when you you like you know you're going to go right. And then once you go right, it gives you the freedom to do whatever you want. It's the same as this. If you know they got you on a wider shot, it, it you know it and you know where to move. They know if you're this close, you know that you gotta kinda keep it a little more still. He says, it's just, and he goes and ask the guy. That's 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 their job. Always get to know the camera guy. So my whole career, I'd always say to the guy, you know the guy, whatever his name is, you know, you know, Jimmy, wh- 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 where are you, right? little down, Lou. Oh, right here? Perfect. Thank you. Wow. That was from James Garner, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that old joke. Hey, wait a second. Sorry. (laughs) I dropped a name.
3: (laughs) 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 That's what we like. That's what we like. What was, like, the first thing that you you called your buddies about? Like,
1: I got this part. Uh, The Married to the Mob. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, because it was a major thing. For me to get this role was, like, the long shot of the... You know i had no credits yeah you know and uh so it was uh all of a sudden it was just you know and i i almost lost the job first day because i was used to table readings where you just sat there in theater you just sit there and sort of get a feel of the script and you read it like you know you try to kind of go slow and and look at the other actor And I didn't know that when you do a four-camera sitcom with the table reading, you got to sit there and and totally act it out. Like you got to really do it and lean over, and you got to perform it as if you're on stage. I had no idea about this. Well, after the table reading, they were like, calling my agents, "What have? What's wrong with Lou? What was that?" And then I finally, they came back and said he had no idea. He's a theater guy. He had no idea, and then the second day of rehearsal, I did exactly what I did in the audition. They were like, oh, great, he's, he's great, we he's love back. him, yeah, he's back. You know? <laughs> How was the reaction
2: at
3: home when you seen him on TV, Ray? Right?
2: Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, you know, just uh, these different shows. Uh, I was uh, reminiscent with him yesterday. I saw this one, uh, what's that guy's name, Dave uh, from CSI? Oh, yeah, yeah, David Caruso. David Caruso. Yeah. Louis. I'm just watching. I don't even know that he's on this thing. And I see this guy in a parking ramp, and he's a slow, you know, mentally. Yeah. And he peeks out and he witnesses this killing, you know? Right. So these guys find out that he was there, and they're like, after him. But David he wants to be like a cop, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, I yeah. mean, he wanted, yeah, you know, he gave the information and all that. Well,. It was really intense watching this, and then all of a sudden, I told him yesterday, I almost cried. You know you know me. Oh, yeah. I'm not a cryer. But <laughs> they worked him over.
1: Yeah, they got beat up, and, and then he dies. Yeah, yeah. Oh. and then Dead. and caruso got all of you know caruso didn't get emotional on that show you know because he was always that guy like Uh, but he did here the long shot is slow yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) i thought that choice he made people thought it was nuts i thought it was great it was like a ballsy weird you know but yeah that was uh that was a good one and i told ray the story that they didn't hire a um an actor who uh looked mentally disabled, Um, say maybe um, down syndrome or anything like that. And I, so the writer called me and we talked and I said, um, why didn't you guys hire? And he said, because it was based on my brother and what happened to him is he got mumps and syphilitis, which it, it, it raises the temperature of your body it fries the brain fries the brain, so I said to her I had it and she said You're kidding me. I said no I but I was telling Ray that my mother came back and I had the month she took my temperature Called the ambulance and they ran right in and they threw me in this big plastic thing of ice And all ice on my head and boom right over to Mercy Hospital and they submerged me into this big tub with all with big things of ice And I survived it. But, you know, if I would have went to bed that night, so she she was like, I cannot believe this, that I said, oh, no, I know it. I know it well, because, uh, you know, it was um, I was it was close. It was close. But uh, thank God my mom called, you know, when she saw the what my temperature was, she was like, I'm not taking any chances. She called, you know, I mean, she didn't wait it out or anything like that. So. But, anyways, that was an interesting uh, You
3: know, survived, good survived the now. mumps and you survived the Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> and you lived. <laughs>
1: yes. You lived. Yes. Like and, the and, Molly's, and, too, yeah.
2: when uh, yeah. he called me one night. He says, You got to make sure you watch tonight. I said, Why? What's going on? Just watch. So at the end of the show, he's sitting with uh, uh, Bill Gardell, Mike, he's yeah. sitting with Louie on the couch. And he's rocking the going south shirt on, Bill Gardell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that episode. Remember that, yeah, that, that awesome. was freaking got unbelievable. Because I used to send Louis and Bill. Bill, he said they routinely wore him on the set.
1: Oh, uh, Melissa wore hers nonstop.
2: Yeah, L- Louis sent me a picture of uh, Louis was in there. Bill Gardell, I think Mrs. Gardell. Yeah, Bill had the shirt on, and the boss. Oh, right, Bruce yeah, 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 we went yeah. to see Springsteen. Whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His and son it's... worked, uh, Bruce's son worked on Wait, the no, set? No, one Is night he
1: came, he came to the set one Okay, one week. Jimmy Burroughs, you know, legendary Jimmy, wonderful guy, Jimmy. You know, he did, he created Cheers and yeah. uh, the most prolific sitcom guy, you know, and he's just a down-to-earth, funny, good guy. So anyways, he says, Louie, uh, a friend of mine's son, is going to uh trail me this week uh god i think the kid's name is max is it max or sam i oh god i don't know i hope so nicest kid and uh i came out how you doing you know good good shy kid And i said yeah so you're thinking of maybe you want to direct he said well, yeah you know i'm kind of interested in it and a real quiet kid he hung around and i'm talking about him talking with him one day about some movies you know i said oh you know you should do watch a lot of movies you can learn a lot about a lot of movies and, and go see a lot of plays Meh, passing so then we're up on stage and doing the live show in front of the audience and I get done with my first scene and Jimmy comes over and says Lou let me introduce you to uh, Sam's uh, father so uh, he walks me over and it's Springsteen wow so I said, oh, hi, how you doing, you know? And I got to be honest with you, I, you know, I respect the guy deeply, but I'm not, I'm not a Springsteen freak at all. Right. I mean, I, you know, my friends, we were all listening to Bowie, Zeppelin, Neil Young, ACDC, The Stones. I wasn't a big, I was, by the time Springsteen came out, I was more into punk. And the Ramones and the, you know, yeah. the Patty Smith and stuff that was going on to Iggy. And so I'm not like a huge, I never bought a Bruce Springsteen album in my life. I used to play him at the Brick Bar and stuff. So I came up and I just said, hey, listen, I'm from Buffalo. You know, I, thanks for doing your last tour there with the Easter. It meant a lot to the city. And yeah. he said, oh, yeah, I like that town and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I, you know, so I know Willie Niles, a friend. And he said, oh, Willie's great. You know, blah, blah, blah. And that was it. So everybody's like, Lou, you were over there for about five minutes. What the fuck did you talk yeah. to Bruce about? I couldn't even get out three words. He said, I said, thanks for coming to Buffalo. I said, Sam's a nice... Oh, I did. I said, and Sam's a really nice kid. I said, does he really want to direct? And he said, I'm not sure what he wants to do yet, you know blah, blah, blah. He, he was nice. I mean, shy. He was kind of shy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but everybody was like, oh, what did you say to him? He said, I just said thanks for coming to Buffalo. And then, so, you know, because, I mean, everybody, I guess, was coming up and going, yeah, yeah. you know.
0: I, I don't know think. what it is, but we don't really get starstruck from the, the, this neighborhood. Like, with obscure guys, we do. But when we see a big guy, we're like, eh, all right. Yeah. But, like, I met Biff from Back to the Future, and I couldn't get a word out once.
2: Sure,
1: it's stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. There was this guy in, in New York his name was Joe Franklin. He used to do the Joe Franklin show. Oh know? the 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 guy with the office, the, the yeah. booking yeah. agent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and he had the he had the Cable Access show. I used to love the show and people went on his show that Wouldn't do any other talk show. Like when Gene Hackman first started out, this Joe Franklin said, watch this guy. He's going to be one of the great actors of all time. Gene Hackman always remembered it. Gene Hackman very rarely went on Carson or anything. Right. He would go on, you know, he would go on Franklin and other guys used to go on Franklin that weren't big talk show hosts, talk show guys, right? But what I loved about the guy is everybody was equal on the show. So he'd go like this. He'd go, okay, well, we got the great actor Gene Hackman coming out. He's an amazing Oscar-winning actor, an old friend, and I'm so happy he's coming in tonight. And then we have Emo Ricaputo from Staten Island. <laughs> he juggles plates. Wait till you see this guy. Everybody was equal. It was like you know Gene Hackman. And then he'd say shit like, "Gene, are you gonna say? Are you gonna stay for Emo?" And Gene, yeah, all right. You know. But I used to love it. So I see him. I meet all these people. Yeah. Then I see Joe Franklin walking down Eighth Avenue. I'm like, ah. Yeah, Joe, Joe, uh, I love you. Uh, my name is Lou <laughs> Still. I'm an actor. You're the best. Oh, oh, thanks, Lou. I think I've seen you around I mean, I, Like I, the whole day, I said, it's, I said to my wife, I said, Trish, I just met Joe Franklin. She goes, Jesus Christ! I haven't seen you this excited about anybody you've ever been around in <laughs> your yeah. life. But that's the way it is. It's what what it means to you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah.
2: Well, I I missed my spot. The one time we used to send our shirts out to Louie, Bill, Gardell. Molly used to wear them, too. Yeah. And then uh, the one day he brings Bill Gardell to meet me. So he goes in, Molly's, you know. Yeah. I'm in there occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he comes down to, he. they said, no, he went to a stag at the brick bar. Oh, this killed me. So I go down to uh. the brick bar, and they got, uh, well, the screen's out because the Bill's game's on. He came, you know, he was going to show Bill him being in the Wall of Fame over at the Brick Bar and everything. Yeah. So Bill was in there uh, with his wife, you know, and she didn't really cater to that drink and stuff, uh-huh. you know, my recollection. Yeah. So he leaves, and he goes back to wherever he was, and then he said, where the hell were you yesterday? They sent me on a wild goose chase. I said, where'd you go? He goes, I went down to the Brick Bar. I said, I was down there. Well, it turns out he the TV screen is here. And I'm standing on the other side of He's it. He's behind <laughs> the TV screen. <laughs> you know, they got a couple stairs there. Yeah. I'm up there no no farther than three feet away yeah. from him the whole time. And I got my chance to meet, you know, like we talk about stars and that. We don't see a lot of them around here. No. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And a lot of them, I mean, people. Plus,
1: he wanted to thank you for the shirts. And yeah. He, we're in the place. I, I order a drink, you know. We're, I'm showing him the, this and that. And, you know, and then it was funny because I was going to go back to the back bar and chump but they had some poster back there, and it's not there anymore, and he said, nah you know, and then I was going to show him some pictures, but he, he don't know any of these guys, you know, mm-hmm. so we stayed at the bar, and he liked it, you know, He'd like, he's like, oh, this is great, and the, this and that, I'm showing him, the whole time, he's standing behind the screen. <laughs> yeah, and I come out after this, now, must have been perfect timing, they're going,
2: holy jeez, did you see that? I go, What? You know, I'm looking up at the football I thought yeah. maybe I missed something there. I said, well, What are you talking about? Them two guys from Mike and Molly were in here. What? When? <laughs> well, they just left a couple minutes ago. They came in there and had a drink and everything else. And then out the door they yeah. went.
1: I was so pissed off. I was like, No way. So he calls me. I said, Where were you? He goes, hey, You know where the screen is? I was behind it. I said, what the <laughs> story it was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah it was behind the screener. Yeah. So, but that, yeah, that was. Anyways. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's the Springsteen story.
0: You know? I mean, you, 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 go from show to show. I mean, night court, we talked about Harry Anderson with Cirque. Yeah. W- what a tremendous talent yeah. that people really got to look at his magic and his different kind of magic comedy. Very quick witted, yeah. uh, night court. And then he was a sweet guy too. Was he?
1: Yeah. They all, uh, you know, it was their, it was their second last season. And they were, um, I I think they were tired of doing it. But, you know, when it came down to shooting it, they were great. I mean, they were ready to go. And he was nice throughout the whole week. I played uh, an Andrew Dice type character. Yeah, I watched it last night. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I saw it one day at about three o'clock in the morning. I was like, is that my son? I don't have a son. (laughs) what happened many moons ago i don't know what happened
0: and and then another iconic uh character you played is uh seinfeld's neighbor
1: yeah and how how does that happen i went in and auditioned and uh i had auditioned for the show i think one time before and they liked me but i didn't get it and then i went in again and they they liked me for the role and then uh we had a ball and you know ironically uh iliana douglas was on the show too yeah yeah and uh no we had a really nice time seinfeld said an interesting thing about la and new york because i had asked him about um you know why don't you go back to uh, new york and do the show i mean you, you know you live you could do the show anywhere at this point i mean yeah. they'll let you go anywhere and he said well because i got to be here like 14 hours a day you know and and you know, I'm I'm in the writer's room and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And uh, if I was in the if I was here 14 hours a day in New York, all I'd be thinking about is what am I missing? And he said, in L.A., I know I'm not missing anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I it, yeah. thought that was brilliant. It's great to hear the
0: New York comics that they, they yeah. hate L.A. Yeah. yeah. They love they love working in yeah. New York. But sure, when sure. it's like a vacation for them out there, sure. like just to get away from everything. Yeah. But yeah. he, he, he's something else. So you see yeah. him now, like that one uh, that one broad wanted a hug from him, and he goes, "No, that's okay." I, I mean, <laughs> that, that that's him. Yeah. You know, his
1: good buddy too, who who deserves way more. I think is, and he's brilliant. I did a pilot with him, and he's a wonder. Is Larry Miller? Oh yeah, uh, Larry the, yeah. Miller's brilliant. Larry Miller should be. You know, I mean, and I, it's it's not him. It's either you know the industry sometimes looks at guys certain ways and maybe his agents aren't representing them right Ah, who knows but he is one of the instinctually brilliant funny guys he had a line that floored me one time during this pilot we were doing and uh like the network came and said uh hey uh you know you're going to have a daughter on the show because it was about, it was kind of a green acre-ish type of thing. It's him and his wife and he's a psychiatrist and they go from the city out to this weird little town, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, so it made no sense. Like mm-hmm. it was like, wh- what is a wh- what is a daughter going to do changing the, like, it? Like because they were they pick at straws sometimes thinking it's going to help or make it, you know, and we were, everybody was like, Oh, tomorrow they're going to bring in a daughter for you guys. And he's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, Why? What, it has nothing to do. Okay. So the next day is was, was me, Larry, and uh, Curtis Armstrong, Booger, from the. Oh. Yeah, from the. Uh, it's Revenge? Yeah, oh, yeah. Another funny, funny guy. Yeah. Great guy, too. And we're all standing there uh, talking, and this girl comes down with, like, legs for days. She's gorgeous right so we're looking out. What, what is this so she's with the producers that come walking down and it ended up she had two auditions that day and one of them was for like the 17 year old girl and the other one was for like a 21 year old like hot blah blah she got the auditions Mixed up on what she was supposed to, so she was going to show up at this audition with like pigtails and the whole thing. Instead, she shows up and goes, "Oh my God, it's the other audition, and she's now got to play." But she still gets it. So she comes down, and she explains, "Oh, I'm not supposed to be dressed like this." really they got it mixed up and everything, and she walks away, and like we're, we're, we're just like, "Wow!" Yeah, and there's this dead silence, and Larry Miller turns to me, he goes, "Well." Other than the Freudian implications in the fifth season, I think it's a great choice <laughs> <laughs> to go
3: to go back a little bit like uh when you're an actor and like people talk about the the screen actor's guild card or whatever right. or, like what what's the process and like how does that work and well,
1: I got mine through I had an equity card from doing stage okay and my my equity card was from a play called um the blessed event so i got to buy you know pay the dues and get into equity and then after a certain amount of time you can um pay a lower amount of my i think it's a year or something like that or a couple of years you could pay a lower amount of money and buy into sag and that's how it happened for me once you get one of them you can buy into the other one so my first was equity and then uh then I got my SAG and then but also to um, even if like that uh, married to the mob that I did, mm-hmm. even if I didn't have my SAG card, what they would do is they do a Taft Hartley and I'd just be in the union, you know, mm-hmm. like oh, okay. they would pay it and I'd be in the union, you know. So but that's how it happened for me it was equity first and then I bought mm-hmm. in the
3: so side. like if there's an actor in Buffalo say so you're listening now what would be an advice that you give to somebody right now well a-
1: I would say you know I mean find out what the rules are now I don't know if they've changed but um, I would buy in the sag I mean you know I don't know what it is now I'm sure it's pretty expensive now mm-hmm. but I would just I, I that's what I would do yeah yeah
0: well, so so you're still. Is it wrong to say you're a character actor? Not at all. Okay, so nobody takes offense by that. Or, I mean,
1: no, it's a compliment.
0: It 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 really is because yeah. you could play any character.
1: I will say I think if I had a great head of hair, <laughs> it would have helped me because then you could do hair acting, and I'll show you what hair acting is. Right, go like this, go like this. See, um, Just admit you did it. We got you anyway. Say that.
2: Just admit you did it. We got you anyways.
1: All right, I did it. (laughs) Uh Okay. Now hair acting. Okay. Say the same line. Uh, I forgot what it was. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just admit you did it. We know we got you.
2: But say it with my hair. No, it, no, just,
1: just say, it, say it, it to me.
3: Just say it to just him. Just say it to me. He's going to show us.
1: Yeah,
2: oh, just, just, oh, just, really just, just, just,
1: say yeah. Just say the line. Uh,
2: just admit. Just admit you did it. We got you anyway.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And you
2: run, you run the, the hand through the hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. yeah he's in it. it. Yeah, then he, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Beautiful, so Beautiful. That, oh, That's... Oh, wow. So yeah, if I could thing. do hair acting, it would be fucking yeah. great. No, <laughs> <laughs> in, nice uh, line reading stuff. too. You yeah. did a very nice job, I thought. No, no,
0: no. Oh, so what around ninety? When when do, when do you start bartenders?
1: Bartenders happen in uh, two thousand. What? Here's what it was.
0: Well, let's let's go back then. Um, uh,
1: I was doing okay. Yeah, around. The mid-90s, I'm out, in La- I'm, I'm out in Los Angeles and a casting director friend of mine who directed, who uh, had me go in for the James Garner thing, she got her a big break by uh, being a casting director for this cop show called High Incident. Okay. Okay. So, um, it was one of the hotter TV projects in town because St- Spielberg was hands-on. So... <clears throat> It was based on the fact that late at night, he's he's a fascinating guy with like nine thousand different things going on at the same time. But he liked listening to uh, police radio, the scanner, scanner. But when the suburb, he's a suburbs guy. You ever see the documentary about him now that's out? He structures things in suburban worlds because that's where he grew up. Okay. Okay. So he would these guys in the valley. He would listen to the, and it fascinated him. And they would say there was there's this uh, thing they say over the thing uh, over the over the uh, system, you know there's a robbery blah blah, blah high incident. In other words, it's, it just took place or get over there, you know. Mm-hmm. So he 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 was listening to this and he said, listen, there's got let, let's write get somebody to write a script about this or is there a script out there about suburban cops? I want to find something about suburban cops, and it'll be DreamWorks first. Produce television show. Oh, wow. So they find this script, and they call it High Incident, and there's this one character who's got the metal rim glasses, and he diffuses everything through movies. He's a movie aficionado expert. Ask him who played the second, fourth role in some movie from 1932. He can tell you right off the bat. You know, he walks up to people and starts to explain scenes from Shane and you know every movie under the sun. This guy, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. So basically it's Spielberg if he would have been a cop. Okay. Oh, all right. That's the role I got. Guy's name was Russell Topps. So the first season he was there every the first the pilot he 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 worked B camera. He was the B cameraman. Yeah, he's which, real hands-on, right? Yeah, which freaks you out a little bit when you look over at Steven Spielberg's the B-camera guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, him really, you know, but he liked me. We got along real good, and he liked, the, he loved the character. He loved what I was doing with the character, and, uh, but he would call and talk about these movies, like, Lou, we're sending over this movie. Uh, it's with Kirk Douglas, Ace in the Hole, you know? It's a hard movie to find, uh, watch it because it's a brilliant film and you're going to talk about it three episodes from now, blah, 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 this type of stuff. So it was a really fascinating experience. We did one and a half seasons because DreamWorks um They didn't take Saturday night. I believe if they would have taken a slot on Saturday night, I think that show would have ran for a long time. But they felt Saturday night was where they threw the shows that nobody cared about, and they they didn't like that. Mm -hmm. So they tried to go opposite friends, and we just got killed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we just got killed. So that that was it. So then I stayed out in L.A., and I started, and my dad passed away the next year. I was very happy that he got to come out and see that because – we were, uh, he come to the set the one day and uh, the first AD ran over and said, uh, Mr. Mastillo, Steven would like you to come over and sit with him and watch the monitor. Oh, wow. Um, so that we were inside this small kitchen and I would walk out and there would be my old man sitting next to Spielberg. And, you know, like, uh, nice. yeah. wow, so that was a that's, real great. that's great. That was a really beautiful thing. And so I said to my dad, what, what did you talk about? He said, oh, I told him what I did for a living. And he told me that, you know, his mother has a restaurant. And, and then we'd watch the scene and he'd say, Lou, what do you think? And, and I'd say, oh, I thought it was pretty good. And he'd say, so did I. I thought it went well, you know, like, so that was really I was glad that he was able to do that. Next year, he passed away in 98. And that's when I started writing bartenders. So I tried it out in L.A. Okay. I tell, tell our done.
0: listeners what, what Bartenders is. I've seen it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's
1: six different guys, bartenders, with problems in terms of the job that they love, but yet they wouldn't do anything else, and their love of the job, the irony of the job. And two of the characters are based on friends of mine, one Eddie Brady, the other Pat Ford, the rest of them are a conglomeration. The first guy who trains the uh, who trains the younger bartender is a combination of Mike McNally, this guy in New York that I worked with, the uh, older guy Gunners Burgeon, who trained me at top of the sixes, and my father. Okay, that was the first guy. The second guy was based on, it's about a guy whose girlfriend, their um they were engaged, and she leaves him. She starts working down on Wall Street, and she leaves him because he's a lifer bartender, and she started to see a little bit more of life, and and he claims that, you know, he, he had more than enough money. He did good, and and he's heartbroken. It's around Christmas time. his first Christmas without her in a long time, and he's heartbroken that she left him because he was no other reason than he was, you know, a bartender, and that's what he did for a living. The third one was Patty. Because Patty would tell this great story about, he told me, and one night he keeps trying to cook the Salem hot dogs, and then he's baking them and boiling them. They don't taste the same. So he takes a grill out on his fire escape, and there was all this smoke. The guy next door complained, and the cop, the, the fireman came over. You can't do that. So he goes, I got all these hot dogs. I don't know what to do. So he come home at 3 o'clock in the morning, and there was a Dragnet episode where Joe Friday slides a grill into his fireplace, and Patty had this fireplace in this place that worked. He had one of the rare buildings on the east side that still had a fireplace. So he's watching the show at three o'clock in the morning, but the great line is he calls his grill store on Third Avenue, This, and he, she, he says to the girl, hey, I was watching Dragnet last night. <laughs> he goes, I was a little stoned. <laughs> But Joe Friday sticks a grill into his fireplace. Is that just crazy dragnet shit? <laughs> <laughs> and the girl goes, no, it's a fireplace grill. We got all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> so he did. He went, by. he went home. He went and bought it. It, it. it was at his apartment. He moved from the place, but he had the fire grill. He, he'd make steaks. He had the hot dogs in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that just crazy dragnet shit? <laughs> <laughs> she says, No. So that's in there. Then the third guy, I heard about this story in L.A. that this bartender was getting sued because this guy, you know, smashed up, you know, ran into a pole or something, and he he didn't get seriously hurt, but he got hurt and it totaled his car. And he come back and said that the bartender served him when he was, you know, and this guy claimed he was a friend of a friend and claimed that the guy looked completely normal. He looked completely sober. He wasn't slurring. He wasn't, you know. And he said, and it's about some guys are like that. They'll have 50 scotches. They're just standing there. Hey, how you doing? You know, it's, how do I, I, you know, the guy was fine. And then he ends up getting sued and he might lose the job and he needs the job. And that was one. Then uh, this guy I know who was, uh, I, con- I combined a few people, he was a well known bar owner had a great place, but the drugs started taking over. And then I combined it with another guy who was also a club promo uh, promotion guy, promoter, and he got a bad needle and uh, he died of AIDS. And then I combined those both into this guy who di- who isn't dead, he's, he's got the HIV, but he's basically homeless. Right. And then the last guy. But the beauty of that one is he's still bartending one day a week. I think this guy gave him a break. And he's and he's so proud of the fact that he's still. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the last is Eddie, you know, and Eddie, Eddie's got this beautiful view of life. Oh, know? he's great. Yeah.
0: I seen him yesterday. Yeah. yeah when yeah, when we beautiful. met.
1: Yeah. So he you know, we were talking one day we we're talking about. That nobody nobody pays for drinks in movies. He always says he forget. I, you know, he goes. I don't remember that conversation. I I ask him anything, <laughs> Eddie. Remember that time? I don't remember that. Eddie, remember the time we? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> remember the time we were in Florida and we? No, I, I don't. I, I don't remember that. And there's <laughs> eight people standing. Eddie, you were in the game. I don't remember. <laughs> but um.
0: He's right though. Nobody does pay for like cheers. Oh, no, no. Watch, watch,
1: yeah. Watch any movie. The guy walks in. Here's how it is. The guy walks in. He walks up to the bar, like like we're friends. Hey, Ray, uh, how you doing? What What, what do you want? Man, eh, give me Ray, give me a scotch. Guy brings the scotch up. Yeah, I'll have the same. So, uh, <laughs> how's that guy we know doing? <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, I think we should go see him. And then they just walk out of the bar. <laughs> Sometimes you know. they even leave the bottle yeah, up there. Or else they go yeah. like this. They they take it they take the drink, they both down the drink and go, Let's go. And they both walk out. You know the bartender does go, Hey <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck are you going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, we were
0: talking last night, I was bartending, and uh, this guy walks in and he goes, wait, well, give me a give me a, give me a whiskey, give me a telemardew. I said, All right, we gave him a telemardew. He goes, How about some pickle juice? Louis, I had fucking pickle juice. Now I'm. Now this guy's drinking pickle juice with this whiskey. <laughs> oh. And he, all, so these guys leave and and he keeps going. I remember a Rashad. shot no, I don't remember Ramon Rashad. I knew him for, as a broadcaster. He's doing all these Buffalo Bills. Finally, I'm like, all right, you gotta get the fuck out of here, dude. It's <laughs> it's two thirty three in the morning. I gotta go home. And he's like. Yeah, boy, remember Joe Devlin? I was like, Joe Devlin fucking sucked. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And So we were putting up with that last night, and it was funny. We were talking. We were going over everything, and you're right. You just – you, you meet so many people behind a bar yeah. for you to turn that into a, a yeah. one man show is unbelievable. Did
1: anybody ask the guy what was with the pickle juice in the whole? Did anybody ask? Uh, Cause well, it's some Irish thing that gives you a better taste. Well, or
0: we something? kind we kind of used to do that. So I asked him. I go, "Where are you from? And who do you know? Because a friend of ours used to do it and call it, "Ah, that's a whiskey sandwich." <laughs> yeah,
1: <how about> that? <laughs> <laughs> He's got, I tell you, he cracks me up in the, oh, you got to tell him the Pinot story. you got to tell him that's the best one of all time. Come on, Ray, you got to tell But
2: then we'll go back to your bartenders. Yeah. All right, so I was telling him yesterday, I went to Brian Higgins' party at the mansion. All right, this was 10 years ago. I must have been a little naive. So I'm standing there, and there's a little guy, kind of resembled Louie a bit, and uh, I said, hey, you want something? He goes, yeah. Yeah. Pinot Grigio. I go Pinot Ray McGirt. I'll get you whatever you want. You know what I mean? So it, it just turns out that You uh, thought his name was Pinot Grigio. I, it, I never heard of it before. That's I thought I thought hey, it was Pino, Pino. What do you want? I, say, yeah, Pino, do you want? <laughs> I said, Yeah, Pino. what do you want? What did the guy say then he went,
1: Pinot Grigio? Yeah, Pinot Grigio. I said, I heard
2: you in a <laughs> greatest. Yeah. But you uh, you, you came up with a good one, too, because this combines your old growing up in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Louie hosted right down the street, what is that, the one Buffalo Bar and Grill that's open one hour a week or something? Right, yeah. They had the uh, Bartender's Hall of Fame, and uh, Louie uh, was the host of it. His brother-in-law, Billy Brown, everybody knows Billy. He went in there, Kevin Townsend from, uh, you know, the Irish Festival and Shannon Pub and all the yeah. other stuff. And uh, this David Quinn. Now, David worked at another Pierce Arrow guy. Quinny worked there, and now he's worked at Ilio De Palos for, I don't know, 37 years or yeah, something. Yeah. So he his brother's in there, Kevin Quinn, and I don't know if you know Kevin from golfing. He golfs like every day. Over yeah, the yeah. Past, but I think he fell or something. Something, something happened to him. <laughs> but he's telling a story about, because uh, he, he grew up on uh, Edgewood also. Tell yeah. that story.
1: Well, he was funny. Quinny was a funny guy. So we... we... <laughs> It's the summer and it's like basically it's it's August and it's everybody who doesn't have a cottage, you know And, and there was a lot of us. So, you know, everybody's up on the Abbot Road. It's hot and there's a big group of us and These motorcycle guys pull up they kind of like Hells Angels looking guys. They weren't Hells Angels, but they come pulling up and <laughs> They come out of the Wilson's farms and the guy puts the beer in his back thing and so <laughs>
2: and a us walk up
1: and uh Kev Quinn says hey what the fuck are you doing here and the guy looks at him and he goes what did you just say he goes I said I, I don't want I don't want to see you fucking guys driving up and down Aber Road on your mo- motorcycles that's what I said and the guy goes like this reaches behind and pulls a gun out and says yeah why not and he goes because the potholes are huge <laughs> You know, fuck your bike up back. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. The guy goes, "Get the fuck out
2: of here!" <laughs> we all just ran, you know. Oh man. Uh.
0: So, Bartenders really takes off. I was lucky enough to see it around 99. I, they snuck me in. Michael O'Neill snuck me in. Uh-huh. He goes, you got to see this guy. Mikey. He's he's a character. Mike, Mike's got great stories. You got to ask Mike about the ass beer story.
3: Okay. Okay. Right.
0: We'll get to that in a later episode.
3: So, Cirque was saying he's like, it was like a lot to write a one-man show.
1: It's hard work. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's 32 pages of straight dialogue, my show.
3: Wow. Wow. And you wrote that yourself.
1: Yeah, and you got to get to a point, like I said earlier, you got to get to a point where you you got to learn it verbatim. You can't keep changing it. You can't keep, you got to learn it verbatim. Like if the sentence is, you know, I'm, I'm walking down the street. You can't change it to I'm going to walk down the street. You, you got to learn it exactly the way you write. Wow. You got to put down the uh, writing thing and learn it as if it's someone else's piece. So it's hard work. Yeah. I mean, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. And he memorized his, too. You know, so it looks like a lot of stand up comedians do that. I mean, it looks like it's off the top of their head. It's memorized.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 So And it's not just taglines. It's word for oh, word. Oh
1: Sure. Word for word. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: later on in the 90s, you... Pino.
1: Hey, Pino. <laughs> hey, Pino. Nice to meet you, Pino. Are you from around here? <laughs> from the town of, from the town looked, of Grigio. We're back
2: to that, but he looked like a Pino Grigio. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know if there is you know, one. I know... I gotta tell you. If there's got a, Is that a guy? Yeah. It is now. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a it's a grape, but it
1: could be a guy, you well, know? It's
2: gotta be a guy. They didn't just name it. Well, there's Pino Noir, his, his cousin. His cousin. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's Pino. Pino, come over here. (laughs) So
0: so then we're we're starting one of the best shows of all time, The Sopranos. Yes. And you play Sal Vitro, the gardener, Tony's gardener. Right. And uh, I think it's an iconic role. How does that happen with The Sopranos?
1: Well, I I got a call to go in, uh, and I was very happy when I got it because for years – I invited a dollar for everybody who came up to me and said, you know, you should be in the Sopranos. <laughs> and like, you know, like you're going to fucking go, well, hang on. Let me call over there. <laughs> what are you fucking nuts? Hey, is this the Sopranos? <laughs> hey, what, 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 what is your name? <laughs> Joey says I should be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, you know. Anyways, um, I went and I auditioned and I got it and uh, David Chase liked what I did. And uh, so then this character, you know, grew and grew and it was sort of the Shakespearean. It was interesting, though, because we had um, done the scene at the bar with Polly Walnuts. And uh, when he says, I said, I think I think I'm going to the cops. And he says, well, what are you talking about? You know, you're when he said, eh, you know, I'm not really like one of you guys. And he says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And the way the director wanted me to play it and the way we both thought of it was to kind of go like hey thanks Paul you know you're doing me a favor maybe you'll take care of this and I won't have this guy on my ass that's how I was playing it and that's what the director also agreed with like you're kind of relieved and David Chase came back after he saw it and he said no And we came back in the next day and reshot it or the next week and we reshot the, the end of it he said no 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 he goes, you know you're not happy he goes you know you know at this point you should have went to the cops immediately you didn't do it now you're fucked right and the whole idea was his view of that thing is anybody that got too close to these guys or actually you know agreed to talk to these guys or be anywhere around these guys is sooner or later going to get screwed
0: and that happens in throughout the whole show the
1: whole show Yep. Even the guy who plays cards with them and thinks it's cool. They rob all the cars yeah. for his wedding. I mean, everybody. So that was it. But the, what I found interesting is he'd pay me for the whole week just to walk in the background with a big fucking thing of leaves on my like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're in the yeah, lot of oh, scenes. Oh, it was great. And, and we'd do those scenes. And after I'd walk through it, uh, we'd all just burst out laughing. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, no, and uh, no that was a nice experience. Uh, uh, Jimmy was a nice guy. He was a kind guy and uh I was very upset when I heard that he had passed away. I wasn't close friends by any means, but he was a great guy to work with and he was a generous guy and so little Steven was sweet too. We had that one scene where he says I he says, "Hey, do I got to keep doing Johnny Sax's lawn?" and and Jimmy says to me, What the fuck did you say, Sal? And I swear for two takes, whenever he said, What the fuck did you say? To him? We'd all fucking burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because of the balls of this guy'd asked his fucking name, what the fuck did you just say? To him? we'd all just fucking start to laugh. So then we got a few takes out. But my favorite is he says, um, I think lawnmower man said that he don't want to do the little Steven Yeah. And lawnmower man was played by a Buffalo guy named Jeff Fahey. So I thought it was pretty. Yeah, interesting. yeah, you're right. It is Jeff. Fahey. I thought it was pretty interesting that he referenced a guy that I know. You know, it was pretty good. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was pretty, but but it was a good experience. And Steve that, Buscemi too, right? Steve was in. Uh, Steve was in the scene, and then Robert loja originally from the Lower East Side of New York, comes up. He uh, features Lamana, He comes up, and that whole thing was done by he stomps on me and then they did a camera from above and you see his, his you see him hitting me but it was the stunt guy yeah and then what they did is they put me down and they put my arm they dug a hole and my arm was in a hole and they attached this they made a uh, replica of my arm this plaster uh, uh, I when went you get curb house. stomped yeah. yeah and then i went to this guy's house and he put they put my whole shoulder and everything and then they he came out it came out and they showed me my arm it was freaky man they sh- it was like it looked exactly like my arm wow. I was like holy fuck so then they attached that and they, there was a wooden stick in it so we did two takes of it where he stomps on the fake arm like, ah! and then they took that one off but i was in that hole for so long that when i was when i got up i swear to god i was i couldn't for days i couldn't move
2: oh you're laying on it yeah oh, i was yeah. laying on it
1: you know yeah But they make those they make those fake prosthetic things. I did a movie called Passed Away. They had a we had a funeral. They had a fake Jack Warden. Jack Warden was done shooting. He was already gone. They had a fake Jack Warden in the casket. It was the freakiest thing I ever saw in my life. Wow. You know, I said, is Jack Warden actually gonna be in the casket today? They said, no, he's gone. He's he already shot out. He's already gone. Well, what the fuck? Oh, come and see it. Fucking fake Jack Warden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you, you're still alive in the Sopranos if they ever come back. You oh. back.
1: I think I was 70 to 1. You were saying that? <laughs> okay. uh, I think I was 70 Did you ever get a script one. and you are like, don't kill me? Yeah. Oh, no, I never did. Because, you know, like I wasn't, you know, those guys were. That that was the main that was the main deal. I don't think I, I, I think it's with Jimmy Gone it'll never come back. You don't do, think nah, so? No, they're doing the prequel, but I don't think so.
0: I wonder no. who will play Sal Vitro in the prequel. You know I, you you're know, gonna maybe, pop maybe, up.
1: Maybe I hope it's a handsome guy. <laughs> That's all I ask. You know, guy with some hair. He could do some hair acting. Uh, and it, we, yeah. we we keep looking at your roles and it always pops up that you become a doorman, Lou. How yeah, did the, you how know, there was this a happen? stretch where I, one year I did three doormen. I was like, what's going on? Should I be doing this for a living or <laughs> for, for some extra work? Well, the one story was sad, and I'll tell you the story. I, I, this broke my heart because there was just, I'm not going to say your name, but there was this casting director, and um, her friend saw me. I only did two commercials in my whole life, two or three, I think. But she saw me in this one commercial that I did uh, when I was back in New York where I played a doorman at a hotel. And uh, so I come out and these people say, oh, which way is central Park? Well, it's that way? You know, oh, it's, where's the Empire State and over here? Oh, fuck <laughs> you. See you later. You know, <laughs> so he did this commercial and I, I forget what it even what the, what the price was some clothing store. I forget anyways she sees the commercial and she goes she calls me into her office and she says there's this movie with uh, matthew McConaughey and al pacino and they're they're gamblers and they have this. two for the money right i think it is yeah and i said oh wow she's explaining this thing and i'm and she's talking about this doorman and i'm thinking I'm going to be the guy at the gambling place who, you know, has to go up to Al Pacino and say some guys at the door, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Louie, go tell him that, uh, okay, Al, you know, and I think I'm going to be in these scenes and I'm going to be Al Pacino's doorman. Uh, she goes, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a good part and, you know, and you're with Al and Matthew and I'm thinking, right? So I say, uh, she said, are you interested? I said, I'm very, yeah, of course, I'm very interested. So you'd be willing to do it? I said, sure. So I walk out, I call my agent. My agent goes, okay, now let me ask you this. You didn't say you're willing to do anything. or you, and I said, yeah, ah, uh, he goes, ah, oh, Jesus. I said, why? Because she's, she's known for, you know, getting good actors to do these roles that sort of are a little bit, they're beyond the role at this point. So sure enough, I get this scene. I mean, it's like, it's bullshit. It's like nothing. And I'm saying, I said no. I, you know, I'm not going to do it. And They said, Well, you got to do it now. You know, you let's. And I, oh, Jesus Christ. So it's like I am. I come up to Matthew McConaughey, I'm in front of Twenty One Club. I come up to Matthew. What what made it worse is I used to go. To, I, I'd have a drink at Twenty One Club every now and then. Now I'm playing the door. Oh, it was awful. So now I go up to Matthew McConaughey, Is this your card? It's a nice card. it Gives me a hundred dollars. Bullshit. It was total. I was. I would have never done it in a million years. And I met Pacino, one of my heroes, and he kind of talked to me like as if I was like an extra. I was, it was really, at that point in my career, it was really kind of degrading. And What made it even worse is the director of the film is the guy that directed about five high incidents. So I knew him real well. Oh, okay. So he kind of comes walking towards me like, you know, he didn't even think of this role. He kind of comes walking towards me like, I don't know, it was... Like, was Lou in jail for the last five years or something? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is he doing this role for? Like, like he goes, Lou, how you doing? He's kind of got this look on his face like he's confused. You know, Lou, how you doing? I saw your name on the call sheet for the doorman. Is everything okay? How you doing? I said, that yeah, DJ, you know. I kind of got talked into this role. I said, you know, he goes, oh, no, 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 no. We'll have a good time. It'll be fine, you know. But he did. he did walked me right over to Pacino. Al, this is a great actor. He's a friend. And Pacino sort of was like, yeah, how you doing? Because I really didn't have, you know, he read the scene. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so anyways, but DJ, bless his heart, he made sure that I got paid double for the day. Oh, um, wow. So I did this scene. I was so dejected the way I had to meet Pacino and how kind of degrading the whole thing was this, this nut telling me it's a role in the movie that I just I, I don't know I walked up the street and I, I had about 10 vodkas I was like so <laughs> you know I was so upset you know that's how I got to meet Al Pacino you know was, oh well you know you'll be at the gambling place and Al will be there and you'll you know she's telling me. I think she retired I wouldn't even tell this story but anyways that was one of uh, the the roles that you you wanted to know something that was disappointing that was the most disappointing thing in my entire oh yeah Yeah. and plus the fact that dj who had directed me in these amazing scenes and amazing shows comes up and walks up to me and is like (laughs) like you know like did you get out of did you just get out of rehab what happened (laughs) You know,
0: And this is Mississippi Gambler Al Pacino at the time. Yeah, it's not really. A, like, terrible movie. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's a horrible movie. The idea yeah, yeah, was okay, but... Oh. Did yeah. you ever
3: think that you are going to have to call your buddy Ray and get on the back of a garbage truck in your career? You know, like, <laughs> you hey, well, Ray, come, come know, on, Dick.
1: You never know, you know? Yeah. You never know. I always kept humble. That always kept me humble. Yeah, you about yeah?
2: all them times we spent in New York, huh? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, he, 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 he pisses me off because he says to me yesterday... Hey, going to Vegas at the end of the month. You know they got this thing at New York, New York. I like it. You know I go. They got the little village part. I go. I said, why don't you come to the real New York? Jesus Christ! you never been there. <laughs> He's never you've been, never been to the big city. No. Oh, <laughs> we gotta get you. You gotta get He's the kinger there. He
2: he likes it. I said, New York, New York, and Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are yeah, you? They nuts? got the beautiful mural there? <laughs> <laughs> I said,
1: come to New York for fuck's sake! What are you crazy? Oh uh, yeah, you know they got the roulette tables in Central Park. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he knows New York
2: <laughs> from Vegas.
0: Do so they got a roller coaster there? Yeah,
2: that's that's my thing.
0: <laughs> ever any uh, interest in going into stand-up? Have you ever? No, get, no.
1: Oh God. That's so depressing, little, aren't they? It's a tough world, yeah. man, because, well, here's the thing. Uh, I can get up and sort of put a, even when I'm talking in public, I can kind of put a little bit of a character on. Right. And take sort of pauses that I wouldn't normally take or whatever. But to get up there and do that bit where what's beautiful about theater is there's a fourth wall. Mm-hmm. It's an imaginary fourth wall. And, you know, you're not supposed you. you some plays break it And they talk to the audience But most You know You You have that fourth wall And the audience Has the fourth wall too Even though they can See through it So there's nobody In the audience When you're You know In a play Going You know Like Yeah Yeah I heard that before nah. we, we, You know It doesn't happen If mm-hmm. it happens The guy will get thrown out Guy ain't gonna get thrown out Of a comedy club You gotta deal with the guy You gotta have the comebacks You know And It's it, It's just not not my gig never never was i i liked i would rather hide behind a character you know that's what friends you say well why don't you go up on stage as a character Nah, i don't you know i i don't have the i don't want to i i don't want to have to start you know rehearsing comeback lines to a heckler that's yeah, not yeah. my thing yeah yeah So
3: so would would you say, like, your big break was uh, Mike and Molly? Like, that was your top build? In terms
1: of, yes. In terms of it took a long time. In terms of a series now, I had done other series. Those were big breaks. The only difference is they weren't hits. Mm -hmm. This was the first hit I was on. Done a lot of pilots. Before this, it was I had done two series, but they weren't hits. People liked them, but they weren't hits. Mike and Molly was a huge hit, right? That's why, yeah, it's considered you know your your big break. You know, thirty years into it, you know, or thirty five years, and it'll be forty years in wow. two years. Wow! Yeah. what a
0: career! Yeah, it's long. one hundred and five shows with Mike and Molly. That has to feel great. That was
1: great. That was great, and it was. I got out of debt when I was. Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. What's on the horizon now? So I did a CBS Access show called um, "Strange Angel," which, uh, but CBS—they want I think why they want nine dollars a month, which I, I don't really understand. I think it should be like three dollars a month, but it'll end up. It'll end up. I don't know if they're going to do a second season. They 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 give it more time usually with those things. But it was an interesting story about a guy named Jack Parsons who was a rocketeer in the thirties. In, yeah. And who also got into devil worship and the occult. The book's great. Strange Angel. The book's great. Um, and then I, I just did a Law and Order SVU with my good friend Ice-T. <laughs> Ice-T. Uh, oh, yeah. I God, love ice Tea. Yeah, good guy, huh? He's always the nicest guy in the world. You know who else is the nicest person in the world is Mariska. She is the sweetest lady. They're the nicest. This is my third one. They're the nicest people. They really are. So I had, I. It, it's a long scene. At one scene, I played a lawyer. You know, they know me there, so it was it was fun. And uh, and then I'm back out. You know, I come and see my friends. You know, I have a few bloody Marys. What, what what else?
2: Oh, you know, yesterday McGavis took off. Uh, Wednesday we Wednesday at to took off. What? Yeah. Louis orchestrates, everybody's coming down, Eddie Brady's. I wanted to surprise him. Yeah. (laughs) Mike Anderson, Hawk Myers. I mean, we got the we got the whole who's who. And there's no offense, your father in law. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's the who's who. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I tell you though, it was great that he was working. I was really happy he was working, you know. Oh yeah, pure professional back there. I love seeing But it tortured McGavis. And oh, it drove him nuts. <laughs> well, plus, he
0: usually calls everybody, hey, guess what? I ain't working. Don't go there today. Right, he used he
2: to did. do that with so me. did that text text to me, too. It, and then finally, you know what's up. Yeah, keep rubbing it in over there, you know. <laughs> then he texts back. He goes, I feel a little better. I just hit for 450. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the horse ball. He's down in <laughs> yeah. Erie, yeah. yeah.
4: Rocky, you got
1: something live in your refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta get a, him on Tell some of his stories uh, You know who used to do The imitations though Is uh, God bless him Mikey Willard Oh yeah Oh he used to do Mac Yeah
2: With the walk
1: And everything He used to do Bobby Mesha. The best story When uh, Patty Lonergan tells When Bobby Mesha Was in the hospital When he had the The, 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 the head thing It was what was yeah. it, Aneurysm or something yeah. yeah Anyways Bobby's head was hurt And he went in And Thank God they, everything was okay, but he was a little dizzy for a couple of weeks. Ray comes and sees him. You know, me and Ray are the, we're the kings of uh, no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. So Ray's in there every day bringing him magazines and everything, and how you doing, Bobby, and, you know, everyone sit with him and talk to him. Patty Lonergan's on vacation, right? He hasn't been around, so he comes back in. <clears throat> First day back. He goes into the room, and Bobby Masha kind of talks like this, right? Like this she kinda- <laughs> So Bobby says, uh, ah, Patty, it's so good to see you again. And Patty goes, Bob, it's my first time. No, no, no. He goes, you know, now you come in every day. You give me magazines. You talk to me. Doc hasn't been in here one time. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's a little confused. I've been there every day.
2: Then when I go in, like that's very next day, he says to me, he goes, oh, look who's here. You know who you missed yesterday? I think it was Bruce Smith. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the <hell is> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so he says
1: doc has not come and see me one time <laughs> so so patty patty says no no bobby i've I been on doc's been here every day from what i heard bringing Maggie, no it's done no no don't make excuses for him <laughs> so now the same thing he says you know who comes and sees me too patty says He fluffed up my pillow, and he makes sure everything's okay, Bruce Smith.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Poor Bob's been going through cancer for a long time, treatments and everything else. So we had a little get-together for him over at Talties, you know. And, uh, oh, no, it was at the hop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it was over to hop in. So, you know, everybody's in there. You know, all the boys from the cottage, uh, you know, are there, 12 guys. Uh, So I'm like the last guy coming in. So I walk in. He looks at me. He starts crying. He goes, "I know I'm dying now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, <it's> like, <laughs> but the Bruce Smith thing—the same thing, right? Did you tell?
1: So he walks out. There's this orderly, you know, big dude, and he's got he's got the flat top afro. You know, he mm-hmm. he looks exactly like Bruce Smith. So there oh, <laughs> he is. There's Bruce. There he yeah. <laughs> So, but a beautiful guy, Bobby. You, yeah. beautiful so we got
3: guy. the we got the greatest listeners in the world, and we put out that we, you were going to be on the show, right? And our inbox is chocked full of questions. Yeah, a lot of to questions. The brim, oh my god, to the really? brim, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We put his picture on there. We
3: it's put like, up oh, the well. shows you're on, well, and they, you know, here? so <laughs> so people were inboxing us all night, all right. and all right. so we picked three. Okay. And uh, right. this is uh, the, the chef, Kevin Trevine. He's our social media uh, guru, and he's gonna hi, Kevin. Hey, Lou, thanks for uh, coming on the show. My uh, pleasure. We've got three quick questions we want to ask you. Uh, okay. The fans want to know what's the best advice you've received along the way.
1: That when I was first in acting school, I was told that you have to put it in front of everything else. Uh, marriage, family, kids. I mean, it, it has to be. The priority of priorities because if it's not uh, the chances are it won't happen awesome thank
3: you our second question what advice would you give to someone who's starting out it's probably uh,
1: to put it I would say that what I just said and I would say get on stage as much as you can find a way and if nobody's willing to uh, put you on stage then rent a place and, and do your own work you know find your find a play get the rights you know if it do something that doesn't need a big set do a two character play do your own work and now with the way young people know uh, the whole media thing i you know i can't even figure out this microphone <laughs> I all the way, they know how to do things on their on, uh, with video cameras and and edit and edit and do things on uh, online with their computers. C- do a film, write a 10-minute film, and just learn as you go along. Do your own work is what I would say in a sentence.
3: Yeah, and finally, our uh, final question for you from the uh, social media is: uh, What's the craziest thing you've seen in Hollywood?
1: I went and did, it's an easy one. (laughs) I went and did a, uh, after the earthquake, the Northridge earthquake in uh, L.A., I got hired that we were going to shoot it in L.A. I got hired to play uh, Dolly Parton's agent in a show called, and I was a series regular if it would have went to a, a series, called Heavens to Betsy, and it's about that she's a country star and. I don't know, she picks up her electric guitar and, and gets electrocuted or some shit. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. So, and then she she goes to heaven and it was wrong, like heaven can wait and they send her back down. Nicest person in the world, Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be nicer. In fact, we did this thing, uh, Make-A-Wish, Dice called me, Dice McGrath called me. Luke, could you talk to Dolly Parton? There's this kid we do, Make-A-Wish here in Clearwater. And uh, he wants to meet her. She did it. The kid came out. nicest, anyways, back and forth. The two executive producers, while the live audience was there, were up on stage waiting to do the next scene with the cameras and everything. They get into a fight and they're rolling around on the <laughs> in front of the stage. And I'm talking like a brawl out inside of like outside of hula hands, you know, <laughs> punching each other, kick, getting back up, taking swings, rolling back this way and shit. I never. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> so when we're all there, and she's standing there. We're all just watching these two guys who are the executive producers <laughs> of the show. <laughs> you know, I mean, right there, you know, it's not going anywhere. Why are we even doing? Why we should just go to fucking the Magic Kingdom and have a drink or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That was it. Honest to God, it was the craziest thing.
0: Wow. What, what roles do you regret on passing on over the years? I role? never
1: passed on anything in my life. That's wow. That's a great answer. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, you know, the roles that I, the roles that I would pass on would just be roles that I have gone beyond. Meaning the guy who walks up and says, you know, Sergeant, uh, we got this guy over here. Uh, we think he's the guy, or some. Sh- and I just no. I listen. I did that when I first started. I'm not doing it now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't regret saying no to that. But any any substantial role, no, I I go in. You know.
0: Right. What, what about what are some of the roles you wish you got that you 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 were in for and you just didn't get there?
1: A- a- any one that I've never got. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Was there an audition killer Was there an audition killer for you Like you went an audition You saw another guy And you were like Fuck this guy You know Or no, like, no, no no
1: no no There were times Listen it, Like it's a weird thing You know One time I went into this audition And uh, They They probably knew right When I walked in the door Physically I wasn't right So they kind of started And I had worked with the director On a pilot And like he didn't remember the pilot But they were sort of like Busting my balls a little bit You know And, and I it, You know and I, I handled it pro- professionally, and I, you know, I left. But as I was leaving, like, I wore this kind of character shirt. Not crazy. It was mm-hmm. like one of those bowling Nat nass type of shirts, and it had this. Mm-hmm. And anyways, I was walking out, and. The guy, the director guy who, you know, didn't remember this pilot and shit, which I thought was ridiculous because it had this English actor. Joe. When I mentioned this English actor, Joe Mahari went, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And then the one guy had to go, oh, Joe and of course, Lou Mastillo was in it. Like, hey, fuck you. you know. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I was leaving and went, look, Lou, look, look, can we ask you a question? I'm thinking the guy's going to say, try reading this other rule or something. Where did you get that shirt? And I swear <laughs> to God, you know, what came up in my mind. Your mother gave it to me after she blew me. <laughs> and that's what I swear to God I wanted to say. I said, oh, I don't remember. He goes, oh, it's a nice shirt. Like, you know, he's giving me the fucking uh, yeah. shot, right? Uh. I walked out. That was it. Other than that, no, I've gone into, you know, there was one audition for, I forget what show, but it was a real, the guy was a... Um, he was off. He was he was back on his medication after being off his medication. He was a, a bipolar guy, and and he did something that he regretted, and blah blah blah. And it was a real emotional scene. Well, at the end of it, everybody in the room is like, "Ah," oh. and I walked out. And the casting director said, "Lou, that's some of the best work I've I've seen in in years. It was so good. Thank you so much for coming in. I didn't get it. Wow. Yeah." yeah. I didn't get it. <laughs> I, one
0: thing I'd like to see, and a lot of people think I'm crazy, I would love to see a George Carlin biopic. So would I. Gordon uh, Levick. What, how do you say it? He'd Joseph be great, Gordon, Joseph
1: Gordon-Levick. Yeah, He's I, a great actor. Yeah,
0: I think I think that's going to happen one day. It's just yeah. one of these things I think is going to pop up. I'd like to see more biopics for comedians. Like There's a half ass Kinnison one out there, but I would like to see a Carlin biopic made. They're
1: hard. See, the thing is, why you don't see a lot of them, in the same way as a movie biopic or a movie a music biopic. They're hard, man. It's hard. They did they, they tried that C B G B movies. It was yeah, that's it's was hard bad, to recreate it? yeah, it's hard to recreate that stuff. It really it's yeah. hard to recreate comedy clubs. You know, they're trying with that show I'm dying up here. Yeah. It doesn't quite, here's the irony of that show is you know, whenever you'd be up for a comedy thing, right? They'd hire a stand up comic and you'd be like, Okay. The guy's not an actor, like I'm an actor. All these guys are actors. We could all play comedy, but they hire these comedians, and when they have to say other people's words, some of them aren't good. Mm-hmm. They they got to do their own shit, or it's it, it's not good. So you know we we're losing jobs to these guys who really can't act, and. You know, in that comedy thing, none of them are stand-up comedians. They're all actors. I'm thinking to myself, hired a comedian now, right, you yes. fucking. You, they're playing <laughs> right, yeah. comedians. Hired a Those comedian. Those guys are really dying up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. I love
0: the comedy store, or the comedy cellar, I'm sorry, in New York. Great place. Yeah. I, I lo- you know. Oh, that's yeah. one
2: of my favorites, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> near, near the 21 Club, isn't it? Yeah, the <laughs> House of a, Yes. Yeah, yeah, the
1: House of Yes. Or Nirvana, yeah. B- Billy Gardell was—he um, plays over at uh, the joint on Twenty-third Street. The, uh, uh, the comedy—I forget what the name of it is. But when that whole Louis C.K. thing happened, I said to Billy, Billy and I were talking. I said, Billy, I—it's I, getting to the point where I I can't even jerk off alone, let alone in front of people. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking effort. You know, I'm at home sometimes. I think, yeah, you know, maybe the night's app, fuck it, I'll watch CNN, fuck it. I mean, you got to really want to work at it. You know, hey, come over to my hotel room for some drinks and then walk out with no clothes. I mean, that, that's, I think that's just too too much
2: hard work. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think, you know, uh, Marky, we've had a guy go from the headshot to a long shot to a star. And, I mean, th- this is one of the best guys in buffalo he's made it look at his work uh we got the wet the wetlands
1: wetlands is out now on demand it's 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 a movie that was a first time director uh he wrote the script and he had a little problem sometimes here and there telling the story but it looks good and it's an interesting little story and uh yeah i'm just looks i'm just happy i'm uh i'm a working actor you know uh, you know star and this i i just i i love i love to work i would i was hoping by the time my 60s came that that i would be getting more offers i'm hoping maybe now that'll happen you know when no one's around and i'm in my 70s Although well, they'll hear
0: this and then I'm, your yeah, phone won't stop i'm sure right, it's you know. gonna
1: work out for you
3: <laughs> yeah. working hard and keep doing it
0: yeah well louis mustello
2: thanks guys you are thank licensed you. Doc, to talk doc thank louis. you my pleasure man
1: all right bye. all right keep up the hard work lou thank you guys thank all you right.